You have a really good voice. No, like you have a you have a radio voice. I feel like I don't. I should yeah. probably check on my gum. You do. Yeah. It's like with mics, I can like tell that you're chewing gum. It's not that loud. It's just like it's got its little hints. Just give it to the dog. Not just kidding. Don't give the don't give her the, the gum. You like? Oh, you're more of a stride girl, aren't you? <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome back to Direct a Podcast. We're back from hibernation. Sorry for the long wait. We got a bit busy there, but we've got some good things coming up. And you probably forgot, but I'm Kurt Schneider. And I'm Keenan Wetzel. And today's episode is sponsored by the Eightfold Collective and our new sponsor, Musicbed. This episode of Direct a Podcast is sponsored by Musicbed. Just like scouting, filming, and editing, having great music should be an asset to your film, not a roadblock. Musicbed is dedicated to making that a reality. That's why they've completely rebuilt their platform of over 650 world-class artists and composers with brand new features, workflows, and checkout process. And with advanced search filters like Include, Exclude, Beats Per Minute, Key, Song Build, and more, finding the perfect song has never been easier or faster. Get 20% off your next license with coupon code DIRECT20. Again, that's DIRECT20, which is great because we actually have a code. Learn more at musicbed.com slash new. Today, we've got a very special guest, director Per Hampus. Per is a very talented filmmaker from Sweden, and we're both huge fans of his work. We would highly recommend you guys checking it out um, if you haven't already. Uh, for the links to the work that we reference in today's episode, you can head over to our blog at directthenumber2podcast.com. So, yeah. Enough jabbering. Let's get to the call. Pear, thank you for being on the call with us today. Thanks, guys. Happy, happy to be uh, on board. Well, we're ha- Thanks we're for happy having to me. Have you. Um, yeah, so just to get right into it, why don't you tell us about the time, maybe it was a specific time or a specific point in your life, or when, when was it that you realized that filmmaking was the career that you wanted to pursue? Uh, I think it was, it was quite long ago, maybe like 17, 15 years ago or something, um, because I, I grew up in northern Sweden and was really into snowboarding at the time. And uh, just was out snowboarding with my friends all the time. And eventually we'd watched a lot of these snowboard movies and uh, started kind of documenting what we were doing and like filming our tricks and whatever and just filming our friends. And um, and I was kind of one of the, the worst snowboarders in our group. So I was kind of handed the camera a little more often. So... I think it just kind of gradually grew from that, and then um, yeah, started getting more and more into it. What do you What do you think it is about snowboarding and skateboarding that a lot of guys get into filmmaking from that? It seems like like half the guys we have on are you know filmed skateboarding or snowboarding. What about it was What about filming that made you want to make films? Well, I don't know. It's kind of like snowboarding and skateboarding and and all those types of sports um they kind of go hand in hand with filmmaking in some ways uh it's kind of like a weird blend of i don't know uh documentary meets jackass or just kind of 
you know, for reviewing what you just did. But I don't know, all those sports have like a very strong um, film scene, which is like a very, it's like a grassroots scene of, um, there's already, there's always been skateboard films and snowboard films. And I think everyone that gets into those types of sports or whatever you want to call it kind of naturally fall into uh, those types of films eventually either behind the camera or in front of the camera or both kind of out of sometimes out of necessity because I don't know uh, you just want to kind of like see what you're doing and then you start geeking out and making your own films with your friends and just for fun yeah uh, so I think that's kind of that's kind of why so who were, were there any people in your life that kind of push you in a certain, certain direction, maybe filmmakers that inspired you? Um, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, they're all, um, personal connections and they're, they're just kind of comes in different stages. Uh, like when I was doing snowboard films, um, there, there was, uh, you know, the people that were doing those films on a higher level, especially like a, a Swedish friend of mine, and his name's Pierre, that inspired me to eventually start making snowboard videos uh, on the more like whatever bigger scale or whatever. And then when I started doing like commercial stuff on the more serious um, level or just trying to do these things, um, I started out at the same time as a friend of mine who, who I'm kind of a partner with in with both Variable and Atlas, the company that we started, his name is Henrik, and we, we just kind of grew together and pushed each other and um, tried to figure everything out um, together. So I would, I would give shout-outs to him. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of a lot of filmmakers that inspire me there's just kind of too many to name i think how did you get your start like uh, directing professionally like when did you realize it was it could be a career and you could make money off it and make a living um well i, I did snowboard films for like a decade uh, which is something completely different. It's just like one man band. You do everything yourself. And mm -hmm. It has no, nothing to do with commercial filmmaking. There are no sets um, and stuff like that. Um, but then eventually, kind of at the end of that snowboard time, I did a film for, for Nike, like a 50-minute documentary, which was kind of living somewhere between like the core snowboarding scene and like the mainstream scene. Um, so after I did that, that kind of just gave me the courage to kind of like, or I don't know, to try to do something different. Um, so then I, I, I was, I lived in, in LA at a time. So I started kind of like dabbling, trying to do some smaller projects with, I had nothing to do with any type of sports for a couple of years. And eventually that got me to like some, like a couple of like really small sets. Um, but I was living in, in LA and I don't know, it, it didn't really like, I wasn't really doing 
anything special at all. Um, but then I, I moved, and I, I don't think I am now either. But uh, but then I moved back to uh, then I moved back to Sweden and decided to start a company with uh, with a couple of friends, and especially that guy Henrik that I mentioned. And I think it kind of started then, so like two and a half years ago when tried to be a little more serious about it i think like figured some things out and like how i make those types of films it's, i don't know something kind of clicked a little bit so i guess it would be like two and a half years ago um we started um in the like the scandinavian market doing some like pretty like small budget stuff but we we got a lot of creative freedom and i think that was um a tremendous help because it kind of like we started crafting a reel uh over here um because i don't know in in general there was like you know there was not really much client on board not really many um not even agency on set so we kind of just went out and did our thing um and some projects turned out nice and and i guess yeah that's kind of how i started more like professionally i guess and then it grew from there yeah, talk a little about atlas i wasn't i didn't know you had uh, started that that's uh you and a couple of your your friends yeah so yeah we started atlas it's atlas is a um scandinavian production company in in um Norway and Sweden particularly and uh, no we just started it because we all all the directors came from like similar background like myself they had either been like skateboard videos or snowboard videos or whatever done some stuff in sports um so we were thinking that we wanted to dabble a little bit in the more of the commercial space uh because we'd kind of done those types of film for a long time and wanted to try something new and um originally it kind of uh, it was more meant to be kind of a i don't know an action sports company or something like that mm-hmm. but as soon as we started doing projects we we realized that's not what we wanted to do um so we did a bunch of projects in um in Scandinavia um and there was yeah we had a couple of directors a couple of producers and and office in Oslo and Stockholm and um, just kind of, yeah, just kind of <laughs> learned as we go, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, because none of us really had a lot of commercial experience, but we were trying to make commercials. So, um, did you but guys, yeah, it was a lot of trial and error. Did you guys start out uh, in more of like a collective model or did you start out kind of right off the bat with uh, having like a director's roster and having one director per project. And w- what did that look like? Cause I know a lot of companies will come out of a collective model. No, we started more as just friends uh, and people wanting to do the same type of stuff, but <laughs> probably didn't really know how to do it. And like, I think we were all kind of at the same we all had like the same level of knowledge and how to mm. do things and which wasn't maybe much, but we tried <laughs> to like pull experience and, and knowledge from like what we did 
in kind of our previous career and try to do those types of commercials kind of our way, I guess. Um, so, I mean, sometimes we worked as a, as a collective, but mostly it was just uh, individual directors, but, you know, supporting one another. So what is, uh, we like to ask, like, what, what does style mean to you? Like, you know, everybody's talking about you, you craft your style and you get commercials based on the director's style. How would you define, like, your style and, and kind of finding it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. My style, I don't know. Maybe all over the place. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I, uh, it's so hard. I mean, um I guess I, I, I try to work mostly off like intuition. I think like my my style shows more on the project where I can be a little looser maybe and like uh trust my intuition better. But I mean style I think it's just like it's so hard to develop um or it's not hard to develop a style. I mean I think everyone has a style, but I think it's just about finding out what you what you wanna do and um to me, it's so much about just uh, a point of view. I guess that's mm-hmm. that's what style is to me. Like, what's your point of view, and how do you look at the world, and how do you, uh, yeah, how do you think of things, and how how you are as a person. I think everything just kind of translates into the type of films you do. Um, yeah, it's so hard. What what is uh, how do you find style? <laughs> It's hard to define. I think you get you get asked about it all the time, right? And like, you know, production companies want to sell you based on your style and your taste. And it's sometimes it's hard to distinguish, and you don't want to be too distinguishable because then you just can only do a certain thing. So it's hard. I, you know, I think we just keep asking people to see if we can figure it out altogether. But yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it, though. I think to me, at the end of the day, your style is kind of what you like. Mm. You know, it's if you're you're constantly choosing between different things and all you really can all you really can trust and go off of is is what you think looks good or what you think feels good so i think it's yeah, it's, it's just uh who you are yeah but you're right like the figuring out what type of projects to make and what type of things to maybe turn down or or where to put your time and effort outside of like paid work i think that's the that's the biggest question at least for me is um, you know, where's, what's the best investment of time and resources to, uh, you know, push your career farther, but yeah, it's a, yeah. it's an interesting thing. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, the, the people that have maybe the best style, if you would say so, is, you know, the people are, that are themselves and that don't maybe look too much to what other people are doing and, you know, just trust your gut and just go with it and i don't know um yeah mm-hmm. um trust their inner intuition and but it's also yeah it's it's, it's funny how you get branded mm-hmm. you know from either production companies or agencies or whatever but that's a whole nother story i think mm-hmm. uh but it, it's um yeah it's it's uh, funny yeah, well, and sad. Right. <laughs> let's let's talk about this gorgeous film that you just did for Atlantis. How how did that project come about? Um, 
Oh, thank you uh, for saying gorgeous. Um, <laughs> it is. It's gorgeous. Um, I want to go no. there now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's Mission not. I mean, I already did kind of want to go to Bahamas. Uh, so, <laughs> but it helped. But it helped. Yeah. Well, it came about. I actually did it like a year ago. Uh, and I've just been like working on the the, the director's cut for, for too long. And But I mean, it came about. I, 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 I uh, started working with a US production company in New York called Variable maybe um a little more than a year ago and it was the first the first uh thing that i saw from them and uh we got it and yeah i mean it was a really fun thing because we went to the bahamas and for me it was it was really cool because it was like my first you know it, I don't know. There was just so much, there was a, a lot of people there, and it was a new experience because it was kind of yeah, I'm on like a much bigger set and so many people involved, and it was just I don't know. My I was so stressed the whole time because it was like my, my first kind of like bigger thing. Um, but yeah, it was it was really fun. And um, um, how 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 set was the creative on that? Or how how much influence did you have on being able to to write things in? The creative was was pretty loose, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. some some things were 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 very set, like the voiceover, because it was like came from it was inspired by like the the national anthem and anthem, and mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot of scenes in the film that. Um, I rewrote and then there was some that kind of stayed the same, but I'd, I'd say, you know, I think we changed quite a bit. Uh, but I mean, the overall, the overall brief was just to kind of give the Bahamas, uh, uh, face, if you would say, because it's kind of a, it's a country that has been kind of an anonymous. Uh, not that many people know more that it's like you know white sand and and blue water, but it has a, like a really rich culture and uh, really interesting people, and it's like it's pretty amazing there. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, the brief was in in a sense just to portray a country and um, uh, the people that make the country special but also like tie it to the to the hotel obviously but i don't know i was pretty inspired by the the project because it's it's just kind of like a different it was an opportunity to make a you know resort commercial a little different which was a lot of fun just out of my own curiosity in the non-director's cut did you have to get a lot more footage of like the actual resort and more or or less abstract stuff or is the director's cut pretty uh a pretty accurate representation of the stuff that you shot i'm just curious because it's i mean the the director's cut looks like what would be like a dream project if that's all that you (laughs) all that you had to film but i'm assuming they wanted some more like straightforward stuff but maybe they didn't yeah, I mean, yeah, of course it did. Like, do you have to shoot some people going down water slides and stuff? Yeah, yeah, Hell sure. Yeah. Uh, that didn't make but, the director's cut. Come on. <laughs> but like, you know, that's 
yeah, no, for sure that that happened. But um, yeah, I guess to answer your question, we, we shot we shot a lot of stuff when yeah. we were there. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the more technical side of it. In preparing for a massive project like that, what are what are some of what are some of your preparations look like? for that what are your conversations with your dp what are you looking for on your scouting yeah um yeah i mean like when we were doing it i mean in the brief we had to shoot there's a a ton of the scenes i'd say i don't know roughly like um 60 or 70 percent of the scenes are actually shot at the resort so and the resort is quite big so there was a lot of scouting obviously and um you would think that it would be easy to to shoot in just a resort but it's 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 quite complicated because there's like a lot of people everywhere and like you have to coordinate with you know when you could shoot things because you know that restaurant is closed or whatever um so there's just like a lot of like scheduling challenges um and then like you know, I think what we wanted to do as well, we, we shot a lot of underwater stuff, which was really fun. And we had, we got a really amazing uh, underwater DP on. His name is Peter Saccarini, who, uh, who did an amazing job, I think. And I don't know, it's just like a lot of different, we had a lot of different units and we had a lot of, it was just like a lot of shit going on at the same time yeah. for, for, I think we shot for like three or four days or something like that. But it's just kind of like a, a little bit of like a logistical nightmare. So we, we talked a lot about that. Um, and then like with Oliver Miller, the DP, with that, it's more just kind of like, because it was the first time I worked with him. So it's more about like getting on the same page, and um, you know, kind of like what I like and what he liked. And it's kind of, you kind of have to go through a lot for the, when the first time you're working with a, a new DP, I think. Um, and I mean, since then we worked a lot together. So, um, so we were just kind of like, I don't know. I think it's more important to maybe, you know, get a, I don't know, go and have them drink beer and chat about life or whatever in order to kind of understand each other. And then mm-hmm. I think that makes it so much easier to then, you know, um, work closely together um but i mean we did shoot and we shot like underwater we shot phantom we shot a lot of like pretty big lighting setups and a lot of uh natural like um light and mm-hmm. more in like nature uh, exteriors so there's just kind of like a lot of uh, of different things to talk about i also want to ask about the cisco project that's that's like my favorite project that you've done it's really cool um oh thank you the the, at least the the cut that's online is a a longer form thing it's like three and a half minutes um how did that project come about was that something that was supposed to be shorter and you made something longer from it or was that always going to be kind of more like poetic longer form project no that that's uh that's actually like the the client version um but that that came about like when we started our production company Atlas in, in Sweden. We like I guess like our our first project that we we got was kind of like a break for us because we did a couple of like and that was at the time when whatever branded content and like uh, mini docs or whatever was kind of 
there was a lot of them out there and mm-hmm. we got a project where we got to do like each director on our roster got to do one or two short films for like a telecom company there uh, mm-hmm. and I guess you know we were working in 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 Sweden in Norway but then somehow I have no idea how but Cisco in the US saw the those projects and hired us to do these the same thing pretty much like we did three short films uh one director did one each um for them but it was direct to clients so there was like no wow. agency board or anything so uh and it was like super loose <laughs> because uh they were you know maybe not so used to uh, you know making films and stuff so we with with those with the Cisco car thing that I did, it was just uh, I mean, pretty much like wrote everything and like just did everything because um, they they just wanted to make some some cool short films, pretty much, and it was a little bit up to us to to figure out uh, what that was. But obviously, they they. Um, provided like the the companies that we would do films about so i did a film about pininfarina which is like the classic car designer that's done like a bunch of ferrari things what i was gonna i want what i wanted to ask about was the drone shots above the like racetrack like tell me about that like is that a real thing or is that like compton like or is that like a real actual track that looks like that oh um yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the the, the that film, the Pininfarina film, kind of came from. Yeah, I've been obsessing by. I've been obsessed with this location in. Um, it's an actual racetrack in Turin, in Italy. Jesus. Um, I think it, it used to be the old uh, Fiat factory, and they would just test drive mm-hmm. the cars at the on the roof, uh, but. So it's kind of like an abandoned racetrack. Um, so, yeah, I, I was just obsessed about it and kind of wrote the film a little bit around that track because it was just like, I, ha- I have to shoot there. You know, yeah. like you see this, you see this like six story building and there's a racetrack at the top and the whole city of Turin is just all around it. So it's just kind of crazy. And I remember like flying in just for scouting and you see it from the airplane. It's like this huge structure in the middle of the city. So, um, yeah, I mean, those drone shots are, um, are, um, just drone shots of the, <laughs> the car driving there. Um, but it was like, it was really, it was really hard to shoot because we had so many restrictions shooting up there. Um, you know, like we showed up and they said like, oh, you can only drive 30 kilometers per hour, which is, you know, like super slow and it's impossible to make a car look, look like it's going fast at that speed. So we we ended up pushing it a little bit, but it was just like, we had to do a lot of kind of trickery to try to make it look like it was going faster. Yeah. So that was like the big challenge with, with that, but it's, it's an amazing location. Um, and uh yeah yeah that's insane um for the for the voiceover was was that an interview or was that scripted and either way how were you 
what were kind of your strategies to get such a natural sounding performance? Um, yeah, the voiceover was uh, an interview with the the guy that's like the the main the main guy in the film. He's like a head designer at the Pininfarina, you know, the, the design company. But yeah, I mean, it was just him and I and a sound guy in a, in a room for an hour and a half, just talking and uh, asking questions, and um, and he just happened to be like. Because that that whole project was just like so, so run and gun, and uh, I mean the whole project uh, barely even happened. Like two days before, we were about to fly home because like we could weren't granted any access to locations and things like that. But eventually, it, it worked out. But the the whole project itself was like it was just a lot of um, uh, some some luck and some. Uh, intuition and some uh, like miracles and things like that but the interview itself was just yeah talking to him and obviously prep questions beforehand and kind of knew where the store where we wanted the story to go but uh, i always tried to like for for those uh whatever doc style pieces when you're working with real people and real interviews mm-hmm. it's always good to put the interview before you shoot so you can kind of mm-hmm. somewhat like take bits and pieces from what you heard and kind of try to craft some scenes specifically for certain like um things that they say or he, what he said but yeah um but yeah i mean the the, the final interview was maybe like a, an hour and a half long and then it was more just like getting it transcribed and and trying to piece a story together um that made sense i mean maybe just talk a little bit about the process of going from because you said you wrote this out you know you wrote this story um how do you go from writing a story to then producing these interview questions to kind of elicit the responses that you want i mean maybe just talk a little bit about that process and going in how you how you're able to make sure you get out of him in that short amount of time what you need to tell a full story i mean i guess you you never know yeah. <laughs> but i mean you can only try um but i mean when you I, I knew that i wanted to talk about heritage and i wanted to talk about you know their rich design history and like what they've done and i knew i want to talk about the future and i also want to talk about italian traditions um and and then, I mean, as soon as you have like a couple of themes, it's easier to, you know, be more precise in your mm-hmm. questioning, I think. And then, you know, some of the stuff was, you know, questions that kind of just came up on the spot when he was starting to go into something completely different. And then it was just kind of being curious about, I don't know, what he's saying and kind of just reacting to it. Yeah, I mean, it's an awesome piece. Um, what I, Another thing I want to ask you about is um, do you, what differences do you see between filmmaking styles in Sweden or, or uh, Nordic countries versus the U.S.? And if there is one that you kind of like more, like the, the way production kind of runs? Um, yeah, I think um, 
styles are maybe um, pretty similar and pretty different uh, in in some ways. I, it's just like how productions are run, and at least like a lot of the stuff that's coming out of, of Scandinavia that's really good is like often you know, it's less strict and it's, you have more creative freedom because budgets mm-hmm. are smaller and, and um, you know, maybe uh, maybe the client is more or like not very experienced or maybe there's not even an agency there involved. So that means like you can kind of take more chances and be a little looser in terms of how you do things and like, the things that you decide to shoot because you know sometimes you're you're standing there at least when we kind of got our start we were standing there shooting these films and there was like there wasn't a client there and there wasn't a an agency there so then you can like you know you can shoot things whatever has how dark you want or like whatever and then hope that they will like it at the end of the day <laughs> but I, I think so I think that's like a, a thing that's really good about, and it's not just tied to Scandinavia, but you know, I mean, Sweden, there's like 9 million people living here. So obviously the market is a lot smaller. Uh, but I think there's something to say about being a filmmaker in a smaller, um, either country or like, um, city, because I think there's those opportunities especially when you're like coming up mm-hmm. that, that you really need to like uh, take and just run with, even if the money is not there, but if you see like the potential in doing something that could be really good. Um, I, I think like those situations are like gold for, for young filmmakers trying to go somewhere because with, I mean, and I, and I tried to work in, in, in the States before I moved back to Sweden and it was like really hard because the only, the only boards that I saw was, I, I never did anything. And the only boards I saw was just like super corporate and super, um, stiff or whatever. And they were sure there was going to be like, you know, a million people telling you how to do things. So, I mean, to go back to your question, but style, I, I just think that kind of, has uh effect on the scandinavian style because it's just like a little more creative freedom maybe so i think that's why um some of the stuff coming out of here even though like no one knows what it is it can look good and be compelling because i don't know it's crazy it's just like so many good in, in scandinavia there's just like so many talented like dps and uh, so many talented directors, but I guess some people can describe Scandinavian style as like, I think it's multifaceted, but a mm. lot of people describe it as like, whatever, Swedish emo, <laughs> 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 because yeah. every, everything shot at blue hour and everyone's just like super serious. Uh, but I think there's just like, there's a lot of different things going on here, but I think a lot of people associate Scandinavian style with um, shoot anamorphic in the morning. And, uh... <laughs> well, I, I think that's probably why we're seeing so many Scandinavian filmmakers 
rise to the top and be so prevalent because I think that's a style that's not just Scandinavia. And I think that's kind of the style that a lot of people are going for. And I think in America, in the States, there's not as many opportunities to, to do that in commercial work. So I think everyone in, whether it's their passion pieces or if it's their director's cuts or what, but that, the, you know, that blue hour anamorphic is kind of <laughs> what everyone wants. So I think the, that's where the Scandinavians maybe had a, a jump start on that. Cause that's definitely where the trend is at right now in the States at least. But yeah, I just think it comes from, um, more creative freedom since, you know, the money is less money and just less people looking over your shoulder right. while you're working because, I think that's often the case and especially in like places like, you know, bigger cities in, in or like bigger markets in, in the States, unless you're like one of the top directors, you, you're going to have a lot of people telling you what you do, what to do. I think, totally. especially if you're just coming out and no one's trusting you. So it's just hard for people to, to get a break and to actually craft the reel that's more representative of them. Um, just because there's just too many cooks in the kitchen. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's... No, I, I completely agree. What, what, what advice would you have for a filmmaker from a different country that's trying to work in the United States? What are some things that you've had success with? I don't know. It's, it's so hard because there's so much talent and, in the United States. So it's like in order to, for an outsider to come in and do good work, I feel like you either need to be like super specialized in something. I mean, obviously the, the biggest thing in order to get into the United States is to have your own voice and to have your own style, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you would say. But otherwise it's just kind of, it seems very hard to, to, get in it's just like there's so many good people um that you're competing with and i feel like they would probably prefer or like agencies or clients would probably prefer to work with someone that's american if if you have like whatever an italian director and an american director that look the same they probably pick the american director I, i don't know um but i guess just like try to find your voice, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, though. That's a real hard question. Yeah. So kind of on the same lines, we, we kind of end every, every episode with asking people what they think, what advice they would give to a filmmaker or maybe something that you wish you would have known starting out. Is there anything that comes to mind? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I, I guess... I think what's the most important is just to do to make a lot of stuff. Like, it doesn't matter if it's on an iPhone or whatever. Just like get those hours in, I think, and just like play around with it and have fun and just do films with your friends or whoever is into it and just like keep on doing it because you learn so much from that. and then I guess if like if you particularly like want to say like make commercials, I think it's also like really good to to watch a lot of stuff, watch a lot of commercials, and try to figure out like why you like them and 
how they're made and uh, what makes them special, maybe. I don't know. I think a lot of people maybe maybe in the States might just want to move to L.A. and make it big or whatever. But I think it's like if you're from a smaller city, I think there's like a lot of opportunities there that can get you a lot further since you can maybe, you know, do them a little more your way or um, instead of going to like a, the biggest city and competing with like a really competitive industry, I think. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's great advice. I think, uh, like you said, just making a lot of content is really the only way to learn. Yeah, I mean, because then I think, I mean, you have to do it. And for me, I, I don't think I have figured out my style or anything like that. But I, I do think I tried to for a bit just kind of like, especially when I started out with com- commercial filmmaking, just trying to do things how I think everyone else would do it. But what I kind of figured out eventually is just kind of more pulled from the experience when I was making like snowboard films for, I don't know, 10 years. It's just more like carrying a camera around and filming shitty stuff on a tripod. But you like, you learn so much stuff from just going out and doing something over and over and over again. Uh, So I just kind of tried to pull more from like that experience now and just kind of make those, the films that I do now with like a little bit inspired by how I used to work, I guess. Yeah. How much time do you like what, what's been your experience with, you know, short films or do you, do you write much? Like, have you done any spec work, anything like that? Uh, I want, I want to do more personal work and, um, but at this point now I'm like trying to, because I I really enjoy making commercials and I have like two kids and like, I don't want to be like traveling all the time. So I, I try to put as much effort as I can into the jobs that I get. And I I guess I, I always kind of strive to make those projects into passion projects, even if it's like whatever the Cisco thing or the Bahamas thing, I always try to like find something that I'm like truly excited about and like get get into. And so, so yeah, but I'd love to, to do more personal work eventually yeah um but yeah right now i'm just kind of pretty happy with the projects that i can take on as long as it's you know you can be uh, invested in them like personally you know even though it's like for a commercial product obviously but it's just like there's just something to going out and making something that's just i don't know it's just fun even if the conditions are always not the, the best in terms of creative restrictions or whatever but i think i always try to make each commercial into a passion project that's going to do it for this week guys hope you enjoyed hearing from pear we will be back again soon i promise it will not be another four months before another episode uh yeah we've got some got some good ones lined up got some people some things in the pipeline and we are really excited about the future of the podcast so uh we would love to continue to grow so if you guys could help more people find out about us that would be awesome share share the podcast follow us on 
Instagram at direct to podcast. Uh, you can follow Keenan on Instagram at Keenan Wetzel. You can follow myself at Kurt Schneider. There's a little space after my name. Uh, what else? I would just say people give us suggestions on directors you want to hear. Yeah. Seriously, I feel like we've asked that before. No one ever gets back to us. So uh, who are your favorite directors? Who are some people that you would like to hear from? Let us know and we'll reach out. Or you reach out. We'd love to have directors hit us up that want to be on it. So slide that's the DMs. you, yeah. slide in the DMs. Yep. Get up in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Love you. Bye. Bye.